morning. It's great to see you guys this weekend. You guys are looking at me funny. Well, you guys are wondering about the shorts, aren't you? Here's the deal. All right, here's the deal with the shorts. One, it's Father's Day. And so I did what most of you guys wanted to do when you woke up. I threw some shorts on and came to church because uh, we should be able to do that, right? There you go. Loving it. It's 90 degrees outside. We live in Charleston, and our senior pastor is on sabbatical, so we can kind of do whatever we want to do, right? So we're just going to have fun. Uh, you know, he, Dad declared, I think 23 years ago, he declared it a, a no-tie summer several, um, several years back, and, and it kind of stuck. So I was going to declare it a, uh, you can wear shorts if you want to, Dads. Most of you do it anyway. So, uh, but we're going to have fun. want to welcome you guys and wish you all a happy Father's Day. Um, I know um, it's been a great day so far. I want to welcome those of you that are in the chapel as well. Uh, we're excited to have you guys with us. Uh, today's going to be fun. We're going to talk about uh, Legacy. It's, it's a series is called One Prayer, and we've been talking about unstoppable. Pastor Jeff talked about unstoppable servanthood, and Pastor Dino last week talked about unstoppable love. love. We're going to talk today about how to leave an unstoppable legacy. Because I believe all of us as men have it hardwired within us that we, we want to leave a mark. You know, we want to leave a mark that's going to outlast our lives. And so how do we do that in such a way that it's unstoppable? And so we're going to talk about that today. If you are a woman and you're here today, we are glad you're here. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, we're going to talk to the guys. Uh, we're going to kind of have some guy talk and, and, and talk to the men in, of the house today. And I think there will be application for you as well. And so I obviously encourage you to follow along. And if you're not a father as well, I, I encourage you to listen as well. The cool thing about the culture that we live in uh, is there's so many different ways to, to kind of be that father figure, whether you're biologically a dad or not. Obviously, you've got blended families, got grandparents that are speaking into the lives of children and uh, mentor relationships, uncles, all that stuff. So all of us have, have an opportunity to leave a legacy in the next generation, whether we have kids or not. But we're definitely going to talk to dads, and it's going to be fun. I used to actually be an expert on parenting. Uh, so there was a time where I could have spoken to you uh, as an expert on, on a dads and, and how to be parents. Uh, that was before we had kids, obviously. But uh, Lisa and I remember we, we would go to a restaurant and that family would come in and there'd be several kids with the family and they, they'd be, you know, the kids would be throwing temper tantrums and there'd be food fights going on and food all over the floor and they'd be disrespectful to servers. And we would sit at our little table and we'd go, you know what? Not in our family. When we have kids, this is how we're going to do it. They're going to be respectful. They're going to sit there. They're going to be, be quiet, listen. They're going to be welcome members of our home. We got this thing figured out. Then we have kids, and now we have become that family. So you've seen us in restaurants, and you know, they're, actually we have great kids, and they're, they're awesome, well-behaved. But you know, the cool thing about being a dad is sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get and uh, as much as you try to pour into them. So I'm not talking to you as an expert by any means. I'm, I'm going to share with you as a fellow learner. I've just kind of gotten started. And, uh, the, the luxury that I've had uh, and want to say here on Father's Day weekend that I'm grateful for is I've had a, a father that's been incredible, um, modeled uh, just a, a godly lifestyle to us kids. And so I'm uh, going to learn, learn some, teach some from what I'm learning along the way and some from what I've learned from my dad and some principles that he's instilled in us as we've grown up. And some of what I'm going to teach, he's taught before here at Seacoast. And so um, if it's bad, you can blame him. Um, if not, it'll be fun. But, but being a dad is an incredible journey, isn't it? The other night I was getting ready to put Miles down uh, to bed and we're rocking on his little rocking chair and I kind of sensed that I had a dad moment. Like it was just an opportunity. It was one of these moments that I wanted to take advantage of. And so I said, Miles, I want you to look in my eyes, buddy. I have something very important I want to tell you. And I'm just holding him here and he's looking in my eyes. And I said, Miles, you need to know that your daddy loves you. I'm so proud of you. 
I think you're the greatest little boy that's ever lived. And he looks back in my, my eyes and he puts his hands on my face and he says, Daddy, I have something to tell you too. And he looks in my eyes and he goes, Daddy, that rug is weird. And he points to the rug. And I'm like, okay, that didn't work. But So what we're learning, it's fun. Every day brings new challenges. Our kids say the, the, just the wildest things. And, uh, but it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about how do we leave an unstoppable legacy. And the cool thing about... Uh, scripture, if you know scripture, the, 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 the leaving a legacy with our kids is all about the clothes that we wear. You know, the Ephesians talks about putting on the armor of God, and that's an important deal. One of the verses on your outline sheet in Colossians talks about uh, being clothed in kindness and uh, love, gentleness, peace. So, so it's all about the clothes, right? So I'm going to talk to you guys about what, what kind of clothes a dad needs to wear in order to leave an unstoppable legacy in his home. And the first thing that we've got to have in our, our kind of wardrobe, guys, is we've got to be willing to wear the pants of a leader. So here they are. Sorry, I know you're loving the shorts, but I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm just going to put the pants on because I wear the pants in this relationship. So, <sighs> Actually, I've heard if you have to actually say that, it means you probably don't wear the pants in the family. So you may not want to use that one today. So if you don't mind, this is the first time I've ever had to zip up a zipper on stage, but we're going to wear the, wear the pants of a leader. We've got to be willing to wear the pants, right? I remember I was dating Lisa, and we, I'd asked her to marry me. She said yes. But when we first started dating, I was just on fire for God. I was very passionate. We were leading small groups together and uh, just excited about the things of the Lord. And somehow as we sort of got into this relationship, uh, I got into a dry spell in my relationship with God and was beginning to make some compromises um, you know, in, in my life and sacrifices and just kind of got into a season of complacency. And I remember Lisa looked at me one night. We were hanging out and she said, Josh, if I'm going to marry you, I need to know that you're going to be the spiritual leader of our home. I need you to start stepping up and leading me spiritually. And it was like, after I got my breath back, kind of gut shot, the first response was, I got it, babe. I'll I'll do it. Whatever it takes to get you to say yes and walk down that aisle. But in my head, I was like, spiritual leader. What what does that really mean? You know? I mean, because as a guy, sometimes that can be an intimidating concept. You know, I, I, I kind of think of this super spiritual speak in the King James and, you know, have books of the Bible memorized. And uh, the, the truth is that's not what it looks like in my life. And if that's what it is, then it's just not attainable for me. But well, what does it look like to be a spiritual leader? I want to talk to you guys about a couple of things, a couple of thoughts on, on spiritual leader. The first thing is a spiritual leader looks like is a spiritual leader has character. A spiritual leader has character. Look at Proverbs 10, 9. It says, the man of integrity walks securely. But he who takes crooked paths will be found out. The bottom line for leadership is character, integrity. There are a lot of things that can make a great first impression, but, but success over the long haul is sustained, I believe, by character, by, by what we are on the inside. Simply put, character to me is, is being the same person on the outside as you are on the inside. You know, Being the same person on stage as you are at home. Being the same person at work as you are at home. We have to be men of character. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 7. It's a wonderful heritage to have an honest father. I agree with that. I think one of the things that, probably the single greatest thing that my father has instilled in us is this idea of being a man of character. He's not perfect. I don't think to be a man of character, you have to be perfect because all of us sin, all of us struggle. But, but being a man of character is being an honest, just honest about who you are. People ask, what was it like being raised in a pastor's home and especially pastor of a mega church? What, what was that like for you? And honestly, the cool thing about dad is that he was the very same guy uh, at home as he was here on the stage and is here for you guys. You know, he, he uh, down to earth, funny, 
we didn't have the greatest devotional, you know, as, as a family. We didn't like digest, you know, and unpack the Hebrew uh, text and kind of break it down and, and get all spiritual about it. We definitely talked about spiritual things, but he was just a man of character and still is a man who just modeled uh, living for the Lord and, and, and the outside matched the inside. And so that's, that's a great thing. What does character look like? A couple of thoughts. Character is more than talk. Character is more than talk. Anyone can say he has integrity or character, but actions are the real indicator when it comes to character. You can never separate a leader's character from his actions. And so if someone's intentions aren't lighting up with their actions, a lot of times that's a character problem that, that's, that's d- deep down inside. Character is a choice. You know, we don't get to choose a lot of things in life, but we definitely get to choose character because character is the result of the choices that we make day in and day out. So maybe you've got a tough situation going on, you know, a, a tough decision to make it work. We have the choice to, to cop out or to dig our way out. You know, and a man of character will dig his way out. Maybe the truth is something that's going to hurt you. Maybe it's something you've done, a mistake that you've made, or maybe you know something that, that has the potential to cost you financially or in some way, maybe in your job or in your family. A man of character will stand under the weight of the truth instead of trying to bend the truth to make himself look better. So character is definitely a choice. Character breeds trust. You guys know that. Followers don't trust people that they don't believe has, have character. Uh, character is sustained success. Character sustains success. Can you be successful and not have character? I believe you can for a season. But character over the long haul is what, what will sustain success. Have you ever seen somebody who maybe rose to the top or uh, achieved some, some sort of success and then all of a sudden they kind of caved under the limelight? You've seen that happen all the time. I think Tiger Woods, not to condemn the guy, but obviously had a, a character issue going on that, that's caused him some major challenges. So character breeds and sustains success. So dads, if you tell the kids that you're going to show up to recital, do you show up? You know, if you tell your son you're going to be at a game, do you actually show up, make it? Are we being men and women of character? Are we being... Guys who, when we say give, give you our word on something, you can count that as a contract because it matters and it means something. Got to be men of character. Another thing that I think a spiritual leader does, a spiritual leader prays for his family. Prays for his family. You know, for some of you, that may mean you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and you spend two hours in prayer and then you, you know, get your kids up one by one and you say prayers over them for 30, 45 minutes at a time. And if that's you, I think that's awesome. Keep doing that. That's not what it looks like in my home. Uh, not at all. But, but I do think all of us, no matter where we are as dads and spiritually, you know, can take an active role in praying for our family. Maybe for you, that's just starting with dinner. You know, saying, saying a word of prayer over a meal and that seems like a real small, insignificant thing. But here's the deal. Think about how powerful it is for kids to see their dad, whom they view as provider, protector, sitting over a meal and acknowledging to his heavenly father that thank you, Lord, for providing for our family. That speaks volumes to our kids. You know, we can pray. uh, Maybe you have a decision that you've got to make. Maybe you're talking about taking another job or there's a a heavy decision that your family's facing. Uh, What would it speak to your kids to just pull them together and go, hey, guys, we're going to pray as a family about this. Let's just get on our knees before God and just seek him and see what he's got to say about this decision in our family. Speak volumes to your kids. For me, it's bedtime is a great time for, for prayer. Uh, you know, often every single night we'll, we'll get Miles ready for bed and we'll kind of sit down in his bed and say, buddy, we're going to say our prayers to Jesus. Do you have any prayer requests? 
And right now, that's interesting, honestly. Uh, the other day I did, Miles, what are your prayer requests? Here's what he said. He said, uh, I want to pray for mommy, for daddy, for church, for Florida, Abigail, doggies, horses, walls, lizards, elephants, and aardvarks. I don't even think I know what an aardvark is, but we prayed about it. You know, we just, all right, bud, we're going to do it. Now we've limited them to three prayer requests because they can go all, all night long. But you know what? Just taking an active role of, of praying for our family, praying for our family. Another thing a spiritual leader does is a spiritual leader looks for teachable moments, looks for teachable moments in the lives of our kids. And that can be hard because moments kind of come and go, and I know I miss them a lot. But, but looking for those teachable moments when we can take a situation that our kids are going through in life and apply biblical wisdom to that situation. Lisa and I bought over Christmas, we bought our kids a playground, like a play set for our backyard. We want our home to be a place where the kids will come and hang out and their friends will come over to our house so we can kind of control the environment. So we, we splurged and we bought this playground with a slide and swings and all that. And, and it was awesome. Miles loved it. You know, he hung, hung out just about every single day. He'd be out in the backyard and we'd play on this thing and jump on it and go down the slide and all that stuff. Very, really, really cool. About three or four weeks ago, I go out in the backyard with Miles and like, hey, bud, let's go play on your playground. And he goes, no, daddy, I don't want to play on it. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what's going on? I, I hope we haven't you know, already outgrown this thing because it costs us more than we wanted to pay for it and all that. You know, so I'm thinking, what's going on, buddy? Why don't you want to play on the playground? And he goes, daddy, there's spiders on that playground. I don't want to play on it. And so I'm like, okay, here's a teachable moment. And so I said, buddy, come on. I'm going to show you these spiders aren't going to hurt us. You don't have to be afraid of spiders. So I climb up onto the playground, and I'm sitting on there, and I'm going, come on, bud, come down the slide with me. I'll do it with you. And he's going, have fun, Dad. I'm not going on there. There's spiders on there. You know, knock yourself out. And so I said, okay, I wear the pants in this family. You're going to be obedient. You understand, boy? Get on that playground right now. Daddy said get on that playground. He's standing there going, uh-uh. And so I grab him, pick him up, and I sit him on the slide. And he's flailing his arms and kicking his leg. No, Daddy! And so I was like, all right, I'm doing permanent damage to this kid. So I put him down. <laughs> said, all right, you're not going to be obedient. I get that. Um, so that maybe it's a phase. We'll let him grow out of it. And so a couple days pass, he will not go on the playground. Then one night, 2 o'clock in the morning, he wakes up in a cold sweat. Daddy! So I run into his room. And what's going on, buddy? there's spiders in here, daddy, help me. And so I, I turn the light on and you know, I tell him, bud, there's no spiders in here. You don't have to be afraid of spiders. So I went to bed that night and thinking, God, I don't want my son to grow up with this fear. You know, how do, I, how do we deal with this? And so the next day, I take him out of the backyard and I said, Miles, I want you to come out, come out here with me. I want you to show me a spider. And so we walk around the playground and he finds a spider. It's about this big. Uh, climbing on the, on the wall. And I said, do you see that spider? Are we bigger than that spider? He said, yeah. I was teaching him some dominion stuff. And I said, watch, watch this, buddy. And reared back and just squashed the spider and showed it to him. You know, just look at that. And he looks at it. And he's like, oh, wow. I said, let's find another spider. So I go find another spider. It's in a web. And I said, you see that spider? Watch this. Squashed it, showed it to him. He's like, wow. And I said, if you were with PETA or whatever, just settle down. They're spiders, all right? <laughs> We have dominion over these things, all right? And so we go and we just find these spiders and we're squashing them and squashing them. And then I find this little spider. It's down on his level. And I said, Miles, you see that little spider? It's got your name on it. I want you to squash that spider. And so he takes his little shoe off and he goes, Rah! 
out and he squashes that spider and he's so proud of himself. And so then he's just walking around finding them. We find a daddy long leg and he's, and I said, no, 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 those are nice. And so he, you know, lets the spider crawl on him. And the boy is not afraid of spiders anymore. The boy is excited about, about killing them. Spiders run when he walks out in the backyard. <laughs> but, but it was a teachable moment for me because honestly, as a dad, I'm looking at the situation and obviously made mistakes and you know, did it the wrong way, tried to force him into being obedient. But, but I don't want my son 20, 30, 40 years down the road to have this opportunity that God has set before him, maybe a dream, maybe a playground that God wants him to play on, but he's got this fear that he won't go on it. And it's not going to be spiders. It's going to be fear of, of failing or fear of, of, of not, not making it. And so I wanted to teach him that, that we can have fears and that's okay. But if we can have courage, if we can face our fears, we can break through and we can enjoy the things of God. So looking for the teachable moments. Two nights ago, he calls me into his room after he's supposed to be sleeping. Daddy, come here. So I go in and he goes, Daddy, do you remember when I was a baby? I said, yeah, I do, bud. Do you remember when, when I was afraid to go to the doctor? And I was afraid because the doctor was going to give me a shot. I said, yeah, but I remember that. And he goes, Daddy, I will squash that doctor. <laughs> so we have more teachable moments in front of us. You know, you, you can't just kill and squash anything that you're afraid of. So, oh, well, we'll figure it out. So dads, we got to be willing to wear the pants. Got to be willing to wear the pants of leadership. And here's what I want to say to you. There may be some dads who are here today and you just don't feel like you can do it. You don't feel like you have what it takes. Maybe you haven't been following the Lord very long. Maybe you're not following the Lord. And I'm going to encourage you that the best gift you can give for your kids on Father's Day would be to make that commitment to, to, to surrender your heart to Christ. But wherever you are, you have what it takes to lead your family. God has hardwired you. He's put it inside of you. Don't believe the lie that you don't have what it takes. You don't have to be some super spiritual hero, you know, all you have to do is be a couple steps ahead of your kids. Be willing to just take an active role and an active interest in leading your family. So let's wear the pants, men. Second thing we have to be willing to do is we must give them the shirt off of our back. We must be willing to give our family the shirt off of our back. If you don't mind, I'm just going to take this off real quick. It's sure. Jose, shut it off. Come on. This is church, guys. Got a shirt on underneath it. But, you know, we have to be willing to give the shirt off of our back. Being a dad is all about sacrificing and being generous with our kids. Look at Psalms 37, 26. It says, The godly are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Psalms 112, verse 5 says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Dads, we've got to be willing to make sacrifices to be generous to our family, to our wives, to our kids, maybe to the, the person that you're mentoring, the student that you're taking under your wing. We've got to be generous. A few things we can be generous with. Generous with our commitments. We can be generous with our commitments. Strong families are committed to each other. They have a sense of kind of being a team. I remember I played high school football uh, growing up. I was quarterback for our team, and we had a big game on a Friday night, but we had these terrible storms. And uh, so the games got postponed and rescheduled for Saturday night. Well, dad made all of our games. He was always there for us. And this was especially a big one, but I didn't expect him to make it because Saturday night he was preaching and, you know, the church is growing and it's a big deal. And so I'm thinking for sure he's not going to go. Well, dad called uh, Jeff, his brother, and said, I know this is crazy. And you say no if you want to, but I need to go to this game. I need you to preach this message for me tonight. And, and I can't tell you as a 16-year-old boy 
who is in the middle of kind of some rebellious stuff going on, maybe questioning what, what path I'm going to take. I can't tell you what it spoke to me to see my dad show up on that Saturday night and, and forsake the congregation and the responsibility that God had given him to preach and, and give that up and come and show up to be at a game that ultimately is, is meaningless, you know, in the long run. And he could have easily justified not doing that. But, but it spoke volumes about his commitment to me, to our family. It spoke to us about where we fit and his priorities. And I know that's not realistic to do all the time, obviously. And he didn't. You know, he didn't do it all the time. But, but to, to find those moments where you can speak in, into your kids' lives and say, you know what, I'm committed to you. I'm going to be generous with my commitment to you. We going to be generous with our appreciation. Generous with our appreciation. You know, everyone works better in an environment of praise and encouragement, don't we? Just being appreciated. But I think too often our homes are the place where family members go when they're tired of being nice to everyone else. You know, like we get home and we just sort of give our family the, the, the leftovers. But we can be generous with our appreciation. When we appreciate somebody, we, that word actually means to raise in value. And so when you, when you appreciate your kids, when you appreciate your wife and your family, you're actually raising your family's value as dads. So let's be generous with appreciation. Uh, be generous with our time. Be generous with our time. Survey of 1,500 kids. What makes a happy family is the question they asked. You know what the number one answer was? Doing things together. Doing things together. Too often as dads, we try to be the superheroes. We want to do the sensational when really what our kids want is just to spend time with us. Be generous with our time. I read about the story of Zachary Taylor, President Zachary Taylor. Uh, He came into office. He was scheduled to be sworn in on March the 4th on a Sunday. Uh, well, he was a godly man, Christian man, and he had values that kind of, he, he said, I'm not going to be sworn in on, on Sunday. I'll do it on Monday at noon. Well, it left the nation in a quandary because the Constitution forbade the outgoing president, President Polk, from, uh, from staying any longer than his allotted term. And so there was going to be a full day where the United States wasn't going to have a president. And so they, you know, of course, figured it out, and the, the head of the Senate would become kind of the standing president for uh, a, a week or for a day. The guy's name was uh, David Rice Atkinson. He was the head of the Senate. So he was going to be president for a day. Well, he was working so hard for the Polk administration that last week is hectic, crazy, getting, getting him out. That, that night, Saturday night, he went to bed and he told his landlady, he said, don't wake me up. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow, get some rest, kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Well, he slept in all right. He slept in. He slept to 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, slept past 6 o'clock on Sunday, woke up Sunday night, went back to bed. Uh, slept in, woke up finally at 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon. The boy slept away his entire day as president. Arguably one of the greatest runs of president we've ever had. It's been awesome. No, but dads, I thought about that and I thought, you know what? Sometimes we can be so busy with our careers and so invested in, in, in our careers and so invested in maybe some hobbies that we have going on that we can sleep through some of the most important opportunities we have to invest time in our kids and, and helping them develop. So we need to be generous with our time, generous with our communication. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Dads, do you model good communication for your kids? You know, if you've ever worked in an environment where communication was poor, it can be frustrating to be in an environment where, where there's not healthy communication going on. Some areas that we've found in our, our home where just great times to communicate. One is morning time. You know, it's great to communicate with our kids in the morning. We'll get them up. And that's a great time to just kind of 
set, set their, their day in motion for them. I always love to encourage my kids in the morning, kind of speak a positive word to them. And then uh, we decided at the beginning of the year with Miles, he's two, we wanted to see if he could memorize scripture. So we want to do one verse a week. So our goal was by the end of 2010, he'd have 52 verses memorized. And it's amazing, they're sponges. He's picking it up like crazy. But So we always work on the verses in the morning because it kind of sets their thought and kind of gets, gets their thought in motion, sets them up for the day. And often I'll say, hey, bud, today... I want you to focus on being kind and compassionate because that's what your verse talks about. So if you're going to be with friends or you're going to be doing this, let's be kind and compassionate. Just kind of set them in, in, in motion for the day. Uh, drive time is another time that's just critical for us because we're always in the car, you know, going from one place to another. And that's a great time for me to just kind of process their day with them, you know, stuff that's happened. Maybe you have kids that are in school and someone was mean to them and, and you can just kind of filter that, you know, kind of what do you think, what do you think God says about that. Well, how do you think we should respond when something like that happens? It's a great time for kind of practical life on life stuff. And then of course, dinner time, if you can make that happen, great time to kind of teach values. I think dinner is a great time over the dinner table to kind of talk about family values. I remember my dad uh, at dinner time, we, we learned phrases like, hey, we're Surratt's and Surratt's never quit. You know, where we talk about, I talk about being frustrated with something at school and, and he'd, he'd kind of go back to that phrase, we never quit, not in our home. Or maybe it's, um, you know, another one for us was we're Surratt's and Surratt's stick together. And talk about the idea of being family that's kind of committed together. But that was dinner time conversations, great time. And then, of course, bedtime is awesome. Bedtime's a great time to just sort of have those intimate moments, intimate conversations with our kids where they're willing maybe to talk more about the things that they're afraid of or the things that stress them out. Uh, great time to just have more intimate uh, discussion and communication. But, dads, let's be generous with our communication. The last thing is be generous with our spiritual direction. Be generous with our spiritual direction. You know, the spiritual climate of your home is going to set the tone for your child to develop a healthy heart. It's sad sometimes when, in today's day and age, the, the woman of the house is more invested in their kids spiritually than dad. And I talk to women all the time who say, you know what, I, I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. I want to grow in my relationship with my husband, but he, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to get in a small group. You know, I, I want to serve with my family, but, but my husband doesn't want to. Dads, we need to be generous with our spiritual direction. I heard the quote, children will adopt the religion of their mother, but they will practice it in the way of the father. And I think that's true. I think it's biblical, actually. I think the Bible commands us as dads, whose responsibility is it, dad, to, to disciple your kids, to discipline your kids, to train them up in the way they should go? It's you. It's dads. It's not... Sunday school teacher, you know, children's ministry. We love our children's ministry, but our role as children's ministry is to support what you're doing in the home. It's not the teachers at school, you know, obviously they're, they, they're supportive, but as, in terms of spiritually developing our child, it's our, our, our job. Look at Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's a specific instruction to dads to be involved in the discipleship and the development of their kids. One of the greatest challenges that you'll ever face in life is to live for Jesus Christ in front of your kids, in front of your family. You know, to take an active spiritual role. I was coming in this morning and early and, you know, a, a mom and dad with their three or four kids coming in because they're serving in children's ministry. And I just thought, you know, that's a great picture of a dad taking a, a, an investment in the spiritual direction of his kids by modeling serving and having a servant's heart in his church. Dads, let's model that spiritual direction. So, we've got to be willing to wear the pants of leadership. We've got to be willing to take the shirt off of our back. Don't worry, it's not going to get any crazier than it's gotten. Third thing, though, 
is we've got to be willing to try on their glasses to get their perspective. We have to be willing to try on their glasses to get their perspective. These are Greta Kate's sunglasses, so try them on. They look a little funny, don't they? But here's the thing. We have to be willing to look through their lens because sometimes our kids are seeing things just from a totally different perspective than we are. Like I thought about Miles uh, in the spider story. When we walked out in the backyard and he showed me a spider, what I saw was a, you know, a, a small little harmless garden spider. It's not going to hurt you. But when I put on his glasses that night at 2 o'clock in the morning when he's screaming, what I realized is it was a 10-foot tarantula that was threatening his, his life, you know, <laughs> trying to eat him. That's what he saw. That's what he was seeing. And so when we kind of get down on their level and look in their glasses and see what they're seeing, it gives us some insight into how we can lead them. Maybe you've got a seven or eight-year-old daughter and you're trying to watch the U.S. Open this afternoon and she's coming in and going, Daddy, watch me, watch me do this. I'm going to dance for you. And you, know, you may view that from your lens. It's kind of an interruption because it's a big day. I'm, I'm watching something. It's important. Maybe it's the World Cup. But, but when you put on her glasses, she's dying to hear that Daddy loves her, that, that, that Daddy is impressed by her, that Daddy's proud of her, that Daddy validates her. You know, so it's, when you put on their, their glasses, you can see that. Maybe you have a middle school child who's maybe struggling with, with grades and didn't, didn't do as well as you wanted them to do on the report card this year. And, you know, maybe they're struggling with peer pressure stuff. And uh, it's easy to discipline, which is obviously a huge part of our roles. The Bible's full of examples of dads who didn't discipline their kids and, and, and it never turns out well. But, but sometimes it's easier to discipline when we, when we get on their level and see what they're seeing. You know, maybe, maybe seeing through their lens, you see that their body's changing, their, their whole world is changing around them. They're dealing with self-identity issues and self-esteem issues. And, you know, they're dealing with um, just peer pressure and, and all kinds of stuff that if you can kind of get on their level and see it through their perspective, it gives us insight in how we can encourage and appreciate and love our kids. Maybe you're further along and you're in that empty nest stage and your kids are moving out of the home and there's this kind of tension between being the parent and kind of being involved in, in, in the spiritual direction of their lives still and, and having that authority place in their life and then also them wanting to, to spread their wings and, and have that freedom. And so many parents struggle with that. So many relationships are damaged during that season of life. But just putting on their, their glasses, getting their perspective. Remember what it was like when you first moved out. You know, and just wanting to maybe make some mistakes for yourself and learn some things for yourself. And it may be, may be helpful to just try on their glasses to get their perspective. You know, staying relevant to what's going on. Some things were, were taboo when you were growing up and they're not anymore. And, and they're not biblical things. They're just things that were cultural. I know my dad grew up in the era where, you know, you didn't believe in premarital sex because it might lead to dancing, you know, because dancing was so taboo, right? <laughs> Well, obviously, we're not, obviously, we still, you know, strongly discourage premarital sex, but dancing is not as big of a deal. So he was able to kind of see that, yeah, go to, go to the dance. It's not that big of a deal. You know, see things that maybe aren't, aren't as big of a deal as they were when you were growing up. So let's wear their glasses to get their perspective. The last thing that we got to do as a dad is we must be willing to wear shoes that are worth being filled. We must be willing to wear shoes that are worth being filled. Check these bad boys out. These size 16 right here. I've got big feet, but not 16. I remember the other day, uh, Miles walked into my room and he's coming out of my closet and he's got daddy's shoes on. And he's, you know, you've seen this if you have kids. He's kind of trotsing around the house and he's like, daddy, look at me. I'm wearing your shoes, you know, and I'm daddy. And, and as I was preparing for this message, I thought, you know what? I hope Miles always wants to wear my shoes. I hope he'll always want to follow in my footsteps. I hope I'm wearing shoes as a dad that are worth being filled. 
Because that's when we start talking about legacy, leaving a mark that, that, that our kids will be able to follow in our footsteps. And as I was thinking about that, I, I thought about the story of, of Abraham and Isaac. If you've been in church for a while, you know the story, but no one, no one left a legacy quite like Abraham did. You know, we are still a part of his legacy today. And if you know the story, Abraham longed to have kids. God promised that he would be the father of many nations, but him and Sarah struggled with fertility issues uh, and had just these massive challenges in having kids. They made some mistakes and tried to take the situation in their own hands, but eventually she's 90 years old and she has a baby. And it's just this major answer to prayer. God has finally come through for them. And I was reading this week in, in Genesis chapter 22, uh, this, this situation, and I'll kind of read it to you. It's not in your outline sheet. It kind of came later in the week, and it's not on the screens, but incredible picture of wearing shoes that are worth being filled. And verse 1, it says, Sometime later after they had the kid, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, uh, He said, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. And God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Can you imagine that? After all the work that they've been through, after all the turmoil and heartache that they've gone through, not being able to have a kid, God says, I want you to sacrifice him. And so Abraham is obedient and he takes his son and he kind of takes some people and at at some point he leaves the the servants behind and he he takes his son and there's this incredible interchange that happens between them in verse six. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife as they're getting ready to walk up the rest of the mountain. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, he said, Dad, yes, my son, Abraham replied. And Isaac says, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine? How do you respond to that question, knowing what you're about to do? And Abraham answered and he said this, he said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And if you know the story, they continue, they make it to the spot and Abraham sets up this altar. And then he has probably what has to be the most intensely difficult conversation that you ever would have to have with a child. And he takes his son, Isaac, and he lays him down on this altar and he takes a knife out and he's getting ready. Obviously today we'd put him in a a mental hospital, but God had called him to be obedient in a radical way. And he knew that God had called him to do it. So he takes the knife out and he's getting ready to sacrifice his only son. And as he's getting ready to do it, you know, the angel of the Lord appears. And I'm sure Abraham breathes a sigh of relief. And he says, hey, don't touch the boy. And he provides a, a ram uh, th- that's nearby. And they take the ram and they sacrifice it. And I was thinking about that story. And I was thinking about the walk back down the mountain. Can you imagine the conversation that Isaac and Abraham are having? You know, in some way, I'm like, dude, I'd be pretty ticked. But check this out. Abraham took his son Isaac and he, and he took him to this moment of radical obedience and Isaac was able to, to witness a miracle. An angel of the Lord showed up in his presence. And he, he was able to hear from an angel of the Lord and that angel, after he, he saved Isaac, he said again to Abraham, he said, the Lord is, you've obeyed, you've trusted and, and because of that, you will be the father of many nations. And the angel spoke a word of blessing into Isaac's life in, in terms of him being a part of that legacy that Abraham would leave. And it was only because they went together in a moment of obedience. Dads, as we talk about leaving an unstoppable legacy, I think it boils down to wearing shoes that are worth being filled. 
you know, modeling difficult decisions of obedience. And I'm not asking you to do what Abraham did. Please don't hear me on that one. But, but are we wearing shoes that are worth being filled? So we all want to leave a mark, don't we? But here's the, the truth. If the mark is about us, you know, maybe your kids will carry on your family name. Maybe they'll even carry on your family business and that'd be awesome. But it's not unstoppable. Eventually our family name might die out. Eventually the family business is going to die out. But if we will attach our legacy and our name to the name of God, to the legacy of God, that's an unstoppable legacy. Dads, you're going to get gifts today from your kids. But I tell you right now, the the greatest gift you can ever give your family is to ensure that the legacy that you're leaving is one that that will go on for eternity, that will be unstoppable, that they'll know when they one day have to show up to the funeral of their father that it's not goodbye, but it's see you later. By saying yes to Jesus Christ and and surrendering our, our hearts to him and attaching our family legacy to the legacy of God. So I encourage you, dads, to do that today. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the men in this church. Lord, I thank you that there have been so many great men that have modeled for me what it is to just wear the pants of leadership and to to serve and to love and to take the shirt off their back for their kids. God, I just pray that you would just bless the men today. I pray that you would encourage us. Uh, Lord, strengthen us. Help us to know that we have what it takes through you to leave a legacy that would be unstoppable to our kids. So God, we love you and I thank you for that. God, I pray for those people that are here today that Maybe Father's Day is just kind of a tough day for whatever reason. It could be that they didn't have a dad who was really there for them. Maybe they had a dad that didn't model commitment to their family, didn't model love, walked out. Lord, I thank you that your word says in Psalms that you're the father to the fatherless. And I pray that they would be encouraged today. Lord, they'd be comforted today. There may be some men that are dealing with the loss of a father, maybe even the loss of a child here on Father's Day. And it's just incredibly painful and incredibly difficult day. I just pray that you would wrap your arms around them and just show them your love that you have for them. God, we love you. We just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be men who would leave a legacy. Lord, I'm thank you, thankful for the first 23 years here of Seacoast Church and the, the men that have stood before us. God, but I believe the next 23 years will be defined by how we leave our mark on our kids on the next generation, the people that you've given us access into their lives. Lord, help us to be men of integrity, men of character, men who would wear shoes that are worth being filled. God, we love you. And as we respond to you, I just pray, Lord, that you would show us how you're leading us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.